Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Neurodetergent. And this is Katie. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. And, and to have some fun and laughs, laughs yes. along the way, Katie. Okay. <laughs> if you've got a stubborn stain on your atypical brain, you need neurodetergent. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it Katie, you doing all right today? I am, yeah. Good deal. All right, you're listening to episode three, three. of Neurodetergent. This is Eric. I'm here with Katie Harrison, LPC, licensed. Yes. Professional counselor. Professional counselor. So in the last episode, we talked about dating. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, oh, we get to get to the fun stuff. Maybe. Failed relationships. Or just relationships in general. Yeah, okay. You... Again, if you recall on our first episode, said you were diagnosed in 2017, I believe. Yes. 2017, 2018. Yeah, I think I was diagnosed in 2017. And then I probably started, like, taking medication for it. Like, had gone through counseling and stuff by 2018. So by 2018. And you were married at the time. I was. And how long were you married total? I got married in August 2008. Technically, I'm still married. Well... You're separate. And I moved out of my ex's house, well, our, the house we shared, in December 2013. Okay. What is that? 2013. 2018. 18. I, 19. Fuck. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. You, you're, you got separated after your, after your diagnosis, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Now, for me, again, I was diagnosed as a child and... Yeah. I never had any kind of counseling or yeah. therapy around it. I was just put on medication. Yeah. And was on medication up until I got out, graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And then was pretty much single. Maybe the longest relationship I had had up until I was 30 was maybe six months. Yeah. Eight if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, until I got married the first time, which didn't last very long. And then, you know, had a couple of longer relationships in my 30s. Yeah. But really haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it up until recently about how my ADHD may have affected some of those previous relationships. Yeah. Uh, now, something that you had brought up in the past is how your marriage kind of fell apart, I guess, Yeah. after your diagnosis. Can you talk about that? Um. <clears throat> yeah. I for, Okay. I'm trying to think about like what I want to share and what I don't. Okay. Because, like, obviously, like, there's private things and there's public Of course. Um, and so I – so, like, both me and my ex, like, we um, we have stuff that we, like – like, most people have childhood shit, childhood trauma, all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, neither of us had ever, like, had any counseling. We never did couples therapy or anything like that. And so I guess I'm just prefacing what I'm about to say with all of this to say – I don't ever want it to seem like I was, um, <clears throat> I was like the victim of our failed marriage. Right. Uh, or the reason why, like that, like he's the sole reason why things didn't work out between us and that like it was all on him I, okay. or that he was taking advantage of me the whole time because I had ADHD. People are really fucking complex. Of course. <laughs> right. You know that and I know that. Right. And so like. You probably know better than I do. Right. But yeah. And so like I want to like give, um. Like, I want to honor that in him and that like he's a complex person and I am a complex person. Okay. Um, but I have ADHD and it is profound and, like, it is something that is pervasive and that has affected me my whole life. And the way in which I learned to cope with that is by um, kind of, like, living my life where I was very hyper-independent uh, in ways that I wasn't really aware of myself. Where it's like, I could not ask for help from anybody. Um, And so I navigated much of my life in a way that shut other people out, uh, including him. Right. And I just did it all myself. And if something went wrong, it was my fault. I would assume blame and I would take ownership of things that did not belong to me because like that was the easiest way for me to feel safe. Okay. Right. And so... 
Um, when you live like that, when you are a person who does that, when you are a person who does that and also a person who is neurodivergent in a way that does not interpret passive language, then um, it can easily become something that looks like uh, you're doing everything and everybody else is shut out and you are kind of a stone. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is how I functioned in like my whole world up until the point where I was diagnosed. It was um, in a way where my relationships were very transactional and my work was very. um, What do you mean by transactional? Like you do this for me and I do this for you. Okay, And this is how we function. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Like you spend this money on me and I spend this money on you. Okay. Uh, Very much like. Um, very transactional in that sense where it's like sort of like, mm, that's all, I guess that's the best. Would you say that would also go into like the dividing of household responsibilities too? I mean, yeah, that goes into the household responsibilities in a sense of like transactional of like, I keep things maintained, uh, this way. And then, um, like, uh, that keeps the wheel turning. Okay. Uh, and like you then do this without questioning me or what I, I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, okay. um, but so uh, the way that that functions is, is not sustainable. Um, and so whenever I got diagnosed and I started taking medication, uh, I started to um, I kind of had like a, a bit of a crisis where I was marketing. I kind of told you this. Mm-hmm. I, I woke up one day mid-panic because I'd been prescribed an antidepressant that was giving me really bad anxiety. Okay. So it was like 3 a.m. I put down a poster board and I just started kind of writing down my values. And I was like, what are my values? Wow. Uh, Maybe I should try doing something <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. uh, and I made a Venn diagram, a Venn diagram, and it was like my values that I are, are core to me as a person. Okay. And my values um, that I'm living. Okay. And they were very far. The, 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 the circles were not touching. Really? Yeah. And I was and like, I was like, oh, I'm like going like. Was that difficult to yeah. like take that yeah. kind of hard look at yourself and, and reflect on yourself I was, that way? I was like shook. I, <clears throat> I like from there I started. That's like the first time I started kind of looking into shadow work and like kind of t- navigating that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first hyper focus I got into that. Uh, and then I just started going, I have to change my life. I have to figure out how to make this Venn diagram a circle. And so did that lead you to wanting to get out of that marriage? That that led me to uh, wanting not to get out of the marriage, but wanting to uh, figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at that point I had, I felt like I could take a, like, I feel like I could take a look and go, okay, um, we have both served to hurt each other in this relationship and we are, um, not well, uh, we need like, and so, um, I think I was operating under these very idealistic, um, narratives or something. I don't even know very idealistic like principles. And I was like, we're going to fix this. And I don't think that I knew how to even communicate at the time what I was needing. I switched jobs uh, and I started to be a therapist at the hospital that I was working at. And in ways that I didn't even know I was being triggered, I was Mm -hmm. um, very violently (laughs) triggered. Okay. Uh, And so everything just kind of started to open up. And then Trump got elected. Kavanaugh got uh, put onto the Supreme Court. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. COVID happened and it was just like, just, uh, when it it rains, yes. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I felt like I was being tortured. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was in pain. Wow. So, and so was that kind of like that, that counseling and therapy that you got after your diagnosis coupled with the ADHD (laughs) medication, was that something that kind of led you to that? Do you feel like if you hadn't been diagnosed, and hadn't gotten the counseling and therapy and hadn't been put on Adderall and things like that. Do you feel like you would be in the same situation now or how do you feel it would be different? I think that if I had never gotten my diagnosis, I would have probably stayed in the same position that I was in. 
So I think that if I hadn't got diagnosed, I would have just kind of stayed sedentary in in my life. And so I would have stayed at the in the position and the role that I was in initially mm-hmm. at the hospital that I had worked at. And I wouldn't have opened my practice. Uh, I wouldn't have um, be- become a therapist at the hospital. I wouldn't have started teaching at um, OTC. I wouldn't have been ba- like paying attention to politics and what was happening in our world. I wouldn't have reached out and made the friends that I did, the women um, that I be like kind of bonded with it sorry at the hospital mm-hmm. um and so i wouldn't have bonded with them and and developed like a for the first time a relationship with women that i felt safe in okay and i wouldn't have started having conversations that led me to the understanding that i was um in a relationship that was suffering a great deal okay you're like look so serious. I'm sorry. This, this, this is a serious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I looked up and I was like, okay. this is a serious discussion. It is a serious discussion. Um, and so it became very clear to me that we had become two different people, me and my ex, and um, and it had gotten to a point where he could not see me as anybody other than somebody that um was hurting him. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see him as anybody other than somebody that was hurting me. And so it just, it got to the point where I couldn't be there anymore. Right. And so I had to leave. And then, um, and then that, the, then COVID happened and my life just kind of changed a lot because I got fired from my job and I had to, I had a lot of time to myself and mm-hmm. I had never had that before. And then you went into business for yourself. Well, I had already been into business for myself. I was contracted the whole time. So I had my private practice, mm-hmm. which I closed during COVID. And I was contracted with the hospital I worked at. So I was a self-employed. Okay. Um, but when I left the hospital, I started working from home. And that like that combined with um, COVID and the isolation of COVID, like many, many, many other people that I worked with during COVID, it, it really changed my life. It really changed everything about me. Um, I hadn't ever really had much time by myself at all before that. Really? And then that happened. I was like, oh, I actually like myself. Well, that's good. I, mean, <laughs> I was that's... like, I actually enjoy spending time by myself and I can spend days on end alone in my house and mm-hmm. just be perfectly content with my cats and my dog. And like, I love it. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever been alone. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. In I your shared, late 30s. I mean, yeah. I shared a room and a bed with my sister until my late teens. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Very different experiences between the two of us. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, in the last episode, we talked about dating and kind of how I approach dating and, and haven't really had a lot of experience with prolonged relationship. A lot of, you know, one to three months, maybe a few six months here and there, but it was mostly mm-hmm. just moving from one person to the other. Uh, the first marriage that I had, again, was it's someone I had known for a long time, but never really dated. Yeah. And I don't want to get into the whole story because it's stupid, but uh, we <laughs> kind of decided I, to get, we kind of decided to get married and we both moved back to my hometown for some reason. And I think it was, I think it had more to do with kind of where I was in life and how I kind of felt like things were getting a little stagnant for me. Um, I had had a lot of experiences up to that point, but I hadn't had that. I want to settle down with somebody and, and have you ever had that? Have a home with somebody. I mean, I've had that since, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and there's a lot of good things about it. Um, and I feel like a lot of good things came out of that first marriage. Um, besides the fact that it wasn't, I mean, it was a toxic relationship. Like I was for the first time in my life made to feel, uh, like I was being controlled. Yeah. And <laughs> I spent my whole life feeling like that. <laughs> yeah. And it just, I, I could not function. Yeah. I, I could not function. So, um, <laughs> yeah. There were some instances where, like, we had rented this house and there was an extra bedroom and that was supposed to be, like, my quote unquote man cave or whatever. Um, with like the video games and the computer and all those kinds of things in there. So we got it all set up and everything. And really the first time I ever spent a significant amount of time in there, I think I was watching a movie, like some documentary or something. She walks up to the doorway and is like, well, maybe we should just put a bed in here since you're going to stay in here all the time. 
Why did you get the extra room? That's just what she said it was fine. I mean, she got to decorate in the, the entire rest of the house. You know, yeah. there was like one little piece of the house that was just mine. Yeah. You know, and um, but a lot of things where she didn't like that I was ever on my phone. Like if I like if I wasn't I sitting next to her with nothing in my hands, then she was mad. How how many relationships have you been in where um your phone has been brought up as a point of contention. That one, and surprisingly not my last marriage. My okay. my second wife, never. that was never really something that got brought up. Um, in fact, the points of contention that were brought up in my second marriage were all brought up by me. Mm. You know, um, we were in therapy, couples therapy for years. Uh, right up, like, we started within the first six months of our first year of marriage. Um, that just felt like there was this chasm between us and that I couldn't be close to her the way that I wanted. And well, that's interesting. I mean, like, if that was the case, then, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that she never brought up the phone. Because she, if, like, you didn't feel, if you felt like there was something that prevented you from being able to get close, then, like she probably would have not minded you having your phone. Right. Um, and that, again, wasn't really anything that got brought up to my recollection. Yeah. It, you know, if yeah, for some reason she, she wanted anything that would keep and that And wants barrier. to correct me, then go for it. Yeah. Um, but th- it turns out that there was some trauma uh, that she discovered through therapy um, from past abusive relationships, from mm-hmm. um, well, we don't need the get, model. Right. I don't want to get super of, into that. Yeah. Right. Um, we both really tried yeah. hard and, and I don't say it wasn't for a lack of trying between both parts. And, um, you know, there was towards the end, there was a lot of hurt there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that one of the common themes amongst my relationships that I hear about a lot is not necessarily because of my phone, but it's like, you're not paying attention. Like I'm talking to you and you don't, I can tell you're not paying attention. I can tell you're not listening. Um, a lot of, a lot of times I've, I've felt like I'm being shamed because maybe I don't necessarily remember a friend of theirs that they introduced me to one time. Like, this is my friend Susan. Or, you know, if they come over, I'm like, oh, who is that? Oh, well, this is so-and-so. You've met them. And like, you're getting mad at me because I don't Mm -hmm. remember this person I met this one-off time, whenever. Um, that's kind of what I feel is the common thread is that, you know, I'm trying to talk to you and you're not listening. What do you do to try to help you? Like, what do you try to do when you're with other people to like, um, kind of like enter that, you know, space with them with the intent to be present and to to be intentional and to be present. I mean, I, it's, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. It's a constant reminder. And and I don't know if you've ever noticed any time that you and I have been out talking or something and I pull my phone out, sometimes I'll slam it down because I'm like, oh, I, f- I got to put this down. I'm, I'm, I'm here with somebody. I have to I have to listen, especially if it's brought up by another friend or something, then at least it's in the back of my mind. But a lot of times I don't like, you know, I get accused of not paying attention or or being like self-absorbed and all these things, but it's not. It's not intentional. Here's my... Okay. You see what I'm saying? Can, do you... Is it okay if I... Yes. Press on this a little bit? Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> I find it interesting that you use the word accused because I would like to know the difference between... For you, right? So, for you, what is the difference between somebody accusing you of not paying attention and somebody trying to talk to you about wanting you to pay more attention when they're talking? You never listen to me. You never remember when I introduce you to people. It's, it's always like the you never, because I know that's not true. You know, when you, when you start a sentence with you never, you've kind of lost me at that point because I know that there's instances where I am listening to you. I know there's instances when I am paying attention to who you are. So, um, so like, I guess like, and, and to me, that's accusatory. Okay. So what you're telling me that is that people are not in the moment telling you like, Hey, you're they not aren't. paying attention right. to me. And that's the thing, you know, and I've, and I've tried to have that conversation with a lot of people that are close to me. I'm like, let me know. Like, let me know if you feel like I'm not paying attention. Do you think? And that- there's a lot of times that I am paying attention, but I can also 
do other things at how the same you, time. How would somebody know the difference? I mean, they they might not. And and maybe that's something that I need to get better at communicating to people. Just like we talked about in the dating episode, right? Where you're talking about things that you yeah. want people to know. Hey, this is kind of a personality trait of mine or even a character flaw, if you will. And this is something that I might need a little grace with. This I is something that- I might need you to tell me that if you if you experience this from me, let me know in the moment and I can make that adjustment. I know that like something for me that's been very helpful mm-hmm. because I am similar to you and that I, um, I can multitask. I can be texting somebody. I can be talking to somebody at the same time. I can do those things. Um, and so something that is helpful for me is that when I am fo- like when it's, I am with somebody, say I'm with Sarah, right? And I get a text and I'm reading it. If it's something that I can read and still listen to her, I, I, te- I say it out loud. I say, hey, I want you to know I'm going to respond to this, but I'm still listening. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. But sometimes if I need to focus, I might say, hey, I really need to focus on this for a second. So I need you to stop talking for about five minutes. Right. And then she'll be like, all right. Um, and so that way I, I'm taking accountability for my own deficiencies. Okay. And I am naming them and I'm asking for grace in the moment so that I can do what I need to do. And like she that. might say, I need you to pay attention, actually. Can you wait to respond to that until I'm done talking? And then I'll say, actually, you're right. And I can do that. And I'll put my phone down in my way. I like that. And now that you bring it up, I have noticed that, that you've done that specifically in instances where you and I are together, mm-hmm. where you're like, I just need you to stop talking for a minute. And, you know, it's it's really easy to not get kind of butthurt about that because it's you. And, because, and I because I want to hear what you're saying. Exactly. And like, if I don't tell you to stop talking so that I can finish doing what I'm doing, you're going to keep talking and I won't get to hear what you say. And that's not the point. I want to know what you're saying because I actually do care and I'm paying attention. I just can't in that moment. Right. But I would imagine, Katie, that there's some people who might not respond well to, I need you to stop talking for a second. You know, and so how do you respond to that? Have you been in any instances where someone has said, you know, well, that was rude for you to say. Yeah, Sarah to tells me talking. that's fucking rude all the time. She's like, uh, no, I'm in the middle of talking. Put your fucking phone down. <laughs> it interrupted us. And I'm like, you're fucking right. And I put my fucking phone down. Yeah. So, yeah, that happens, like, just as many times as – and, like, she might say that. And then I might be like, actually, it's my daughter, so fuck off. And then she's like, <laughs> oh, shit, sorry. My bad. And then we'll laugh and then I'll message my daughter. But I like that. And I think that's something that I could definitely incorporate. I think when it's I, essential. I think yeah, I, I think the listen, issue that I would have. somebody who communicates with you quite often. Mm-hmm. And like who is somebody who knows times when you're paying attention and times when you're not. Because like I'm trained to do that. Okay. So I know when you're paying attention to me and I know when you're not. Um, I know when you can multitask and when you can hear me and when you mm-hmm. are completely fucking tuned out to what I'm saying. I know. Even every though I'm time. looking you directly in the eye. Absolutely. And so it would serve you very well in your life, in your work life, in your professional life, in your dating life, in your mm-hmm. friends, in your relationships to say, I need you to stop talking for a second because I need to finish this. I want to hear what you're saying, but I need to focus on this for a second. That tells them that you care what okay. they have to say. And that's definitely something I th- I am going to make an effort yeah. to try and incorporate because I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I can't rely on other people to bring it up in the moment, no. even though that's what I wish they right. would do. And it's not your fault. But that I can you, take yeah. ownership of my own Exactly. Behavior. It's not your fault that you have ADHD and you can come up with a thousand different systems for how to work around that so that mm-hmm. you pay your bills on time. But like the most important thing is, is that you learn how to like... Deal with it in your relationship so it doesn't negatively impact your ability to get intimate and vulnerable with another person. Okay. So speaking of relationships, let's move on from like non or romantic relationships. How do you deal with being a mother with ADHD? Oh. And and that parental relationship without getting into yeah, yeah, you know yeah, personal yeah. detail about your your children yeah, but just yeah. in general terms. Um so my I have two kids. Okay. So you have two kids. I have two kids. Uh yeah. Um one of them is 17, one of them is 9. 
Um, I, uh, had, uh, I had my, my kid really young. Uh, I was 23. I, I can never do the math on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. And that's not really that young compared to a lot of people in our area. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. But like when I think about who I am right now and who I was when I was 23, it's wild to me. Right. I think Um, that's normal. He's so chill. Uh, he's chill as kid I know. Like, um, and so we, we grew up together. And um, it's it's interesting because um, the last time that I stopped taking my medication was impulsive. Um, It was uh, me not it was kind of the situation where I was like, I don't need to do this. I know that I it was it was just not in the right mind. It was right after I left my my ex. It was like COVID and I had worked from home and I was like, I can, I can control my schedule. I got this. Um, except for that I was like really depressed and really not okay. Um, but I was trying to do too much. And so I went off my meds. I stopped taking my antidepressant. I, um, and then me and my, uh, me and my kids were at the mall and we were at a, we were at a shop and I was trying to pay and I had my wallet out and I had all my cards out and the person was talking to me as I'm trying to get my card. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to talk back to them because it was during their holidays and, but and the music was playing really loud and my son was standing across from me, like, get your card, get your card. And I was just so overstimulated. I was, I was really just like felt incapacitated. Uh, there's too many things coming in too many. Like, I was like, ah, so I just handed her my card, paid, got out of there. And he, uh, he pulled me aside and he said, are you not taking your ADHD meds? Oh, wow. You got called out. (laughs) Yeah. So how'd you respond to that? I was like, I'm not. And, and he was like, that's not smart. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're right. Uh, and so I started, so then I, Anyways, I got a provider, et cetera, et cetera. And so there have been times, I think, where I've had hard conversations with my kids about things where they've had to come to me and say, hey, this is like you're you're acting in a way that's not all right. Mm-hmm. And I could think of a billion times that's happened probably. Um, but I think that uh, in ways in which my ADHD has negatively impacted a lot of my past relationships with my kids, it has helped. Um, it has helped because I think that because, because of, uh, ways that I've struggled, I am really, um, able to empathize with them in a way that they need, um, and like honor them in a way like, and their needs through COVID and things like that and hardship that like I can offer space to them and like be what they need, um, in a way that is not judgmental in a way that's not like overbearing. And so I think that. I feel a lot of confidence there and I feel a lot of um, like good feelings about myself when I think about how I parent my kids as far as like in my neurodivergence. I so, feel a lot of shame in the financial area, but that's a whole other story. And as far as how I love them and how I'm able to love them, I feel pretty confident there. So was there an initial conversation after your diagnosis with your kids and just being like, hey, I, I learned this about myself and... Or how do you go about communicating those struggles to your children who knew you as as mom without the help of any kind of ADHD medication or counseling therapy around that kind of thing? And now all of a sudden you've shifted into this. You've got this diagnosis. You've started right. treatment. Like, was there any kind of initial discussion of, hey, this is what mom's going through right now? Or, um, Well, so my daughter, uh, my daughter was three when okay. I was diagnosed. And so, like, no, I didn't have a conversation with her. Um, I did have, I had conversations with my son uh, after I had separated from um, my partner. I, and, and we, I don't think we'll have time in this episode. We all have to come back to it. That's fine. Uh, the amount of shame that I felt and the amount of shame that I was perceiving other people around me in certain relationships that I was in, um, uh, like the amount of shame that I was perceiving they were feeling towards me or wanting me to feel or expecting me to feel was immense. And so I was not having a lot of conversations around my ADHD and like I was keeping it very close to my chest for, for probably about uh, a good year and a half. Do you feel like if you had it to do over again, you would have done it the same way or would you have been a little bit more upfront and open about it? 
If I had to do it over again, I would have been diagnosed as a child <laughs> and been given the resources and the help that I actually needed at that point to succeed in life. Right. Which I have, I guess, like, I'm not saying that I haven't succeeded in life, but like, in other, yeah. I, I got you. Yeah. I got you. All right. So, I mean, <clears throat> I don't have any children. Um, I was a stepfather uh, briefly. I'm not exactly sure how or if my ADHD affected that relationship. It never really was probably as good as I would have hoped it could have been yeah. between her and I. Um, I cared about her a great deal mm-hmm. when when I was with her and, and definitely made an effort to try and kind of connect with her and do things with her. But there was some past trauma there with, mm-hmm. with other men in her life and everything. And I wasn't able to, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Would you um, Would you get serious with somebody who had kids? Yeah, okay. that's not an issue. And and I'll tell you, and, and this is something we probably should have brought up in the previous episode. But for me, as far as children are concerned, that's just a part of life. You know, if I, mean, I want, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can be like super picky, but. The majority of people my age that I want to date are probably going to be parents already. And that just becomes kind of something that I have to accept. Now, I have met people that are my age that have never had children that don't want to ever date someone with children. Even I I actually met someone and, and went on a date with them. And they were against dating a man their age. And this person is my age. So in their 40s, that has grown children. Which I thought oh my God, was, sorry, which I, I thought was really I thought, odd, because she was like, "Well, I would never come first. Yeah, and I'm I've like, heard "That's that. I've heard like that. that's wild. That's like weird. even because they're like, no, I won't date a man with children.'" And I'm Can like, I "What if their What if their kids are grown up and moved away? Like, yeah, go for it." I'm sorry. When you said he had grown children. For a second, I was like a little tiny bit spaced out. I'm so sorry. I'm going to admit that. But I thought for a second you meant like he had grown children. Like he grew children. Like grew them like in a lab. <laughs> and like I was kind of like, what? No, children that <laughs> okay. were adults. I'm sorry. I That I had that was like completely out. Like, but that made me laugh because I just imagined them like growing like corn stalks. Right. But I feel like you're like really kind of limiting your options there, wouldn't you say, if you're not willing to date someone that I think that has children. there's probably a lot of people, though, that, like, they would rather have more limited options than date somebody with a kid. And I respect that. Yeah. Um, not everybody wants kids around. And I can respect that. And I don't think that, like, it is... I think it's, like, perfectly within reason to be, like, I don't want to date somebody who has kids. Yeah. I will tell you that it is a little bit nicer at my age now. To not. To, to date somebody without kids. Well, not without kids, but a lot of the people that are my age that have children, a lot of them are like 17, 18. Some of them are even out of the house yeah. already, which is nice because when you're in your 30s and late 20s dating people with children, it's, oh, it's a nightmare. I need a babysitter and, yeah. you know, all those kinds of things. And their their time is a lot more limited, which That's I understand, true. of course, you know, being a parent takes time. Do you think and, that this is off, this is kind of off topic. Do you think fine. that that might have any relationship with why people, like more people are willing to uh like open up to polyamorous relationships is because there's more like the time is more limited around dating and so like if the times are limited it's easier to date multiple people i think there definitely could be you yeah. know um that was just random. not everyone's schedules are going to line up to where you can spend as much time with them as you would right like. uh especially it seems like the older i get the busier I am. That's one thing that I noticed while dating is that like me and my, uh, me and my ex have our kids, like we split it up week by like week by week. Right. And so, you know, I have my kids one week and then I don't for a week. And, uh, and so there, a lot of people are really turned off by, um, like seeing somebody every other week. Like, so seeing somebody twice a month. Yeah. I mean, that's not, a lot of time to be able to spend with someone and would that be ideal for you or no i think it's really just dependent on the person yeah you know because i've dated people where i could only see maybe once every week or two and it's been fine um there's i've dated people who wanted 
more time than I was able to give them. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. Um, but then I've dated people who don't have as much time for me as I would like. And yeah. so those things don't work. And I think it really is just dependent on the other person, how much communication is around it and how much time each person wants to spend with the other and what their needs are. I've had pretty, like I've had enjoyable dating experiences where I saw the person like once every three weeks or mm-hmm. once every month. That was like, I felt ideal in certain, in certain situations for Do me. Do you feel like you can have a partnership with someone? Absolutely. And only see them once a month? Absolutely. I do. Sarah, do you? Sorry. I'm just curious. Yeah. 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 You don't? I, I'm not I'm saying. Cur- you seem like. I'm you not seem saying like... that I can or, or couldn't, but, you know, typically if I'm dating someone, I'd like to see them more than just once a month. That seems, I don't really feel like, how can you even grow something meaningful if that's the only amount of time you're going to get to spend with them? I mean, is it ever going to move beyond just something casual? Just kind of a once a month. I mean, kind of I think thing. that you can have really meaningful relationships that are really long lasting with people and only see them once a month from the time you start dating them until and like I I don't know what that would look like as far as like the communication like outside of that. I'm not a big I don't I mean I I like to text and meme, you know, back and yeah. forth and stuff. Um I'm not a big phone talker and I'm not a big video caller. Right. And so like I think that like that's the thing. I I absolutely feel like you can grow and foster and have a relationship with another person that you see once a month and mm-hmm. and like f- fall in love with that person. Do you not feel like eventually you would want more of that person's time? No, I don't. Okay. That's I don't I'm not I'm not somebody that wants time from people. Really? I, um, I, I have, uh, like my object permanence is pretty weak. And so, uh, like I do have a partner that I spend a lot of time with, um, uh, that person's, you know, my best friend. And so even before they were my partner, we spent a lot of time together. And so, um, I, I, when I'm spending time with somebody, whether it's five hours or three days or two days or one day or whatever, whether it's once a month, once a week, whatever, like that, it's the time that I'm spending with them that's like valued. And so when I go back home or like I, there's that space between us, it's, it's sort of like the next time I see them, it's like no time passed. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> Sometimes there's been instances where I've dated someone in the past and wished I could spend more time with them, but felt selfish asking for that. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. I, you know what I just thought of too, is that my job probably plays maybe a part in that is that there are people that I see for one hour and it's not a relationship, obviously like a romantic relationship, but like, um, but we, but you know, I meet them maybe twice uh, a month. I don't know how to respond to that. That's okay that you don't. (laughs) Uh, Just trying to get in on the conversation. uh, But, you know, I will see them, you know, I'll finish a session and then I might see them two weeks later. And it is like we pick up where we left off and it is like no time passed. And so that makes sense why maybe outside of that, I can also like kind of mimic that. I get that. Sorry. I Uh, I mean, we're definitely I think we're definitely different in that regard. Yeah. Because, I mean, especially if it's someone that. I enjoy spending time with, whether it's a friend or a romantic potential partner, you know, I long for, for interaction with people. Yeah. I kind of go, like I will get in my car and I go home and I'm like, it kind of just goes until they're, that's interesting. Is that fucked up? I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. You know, it's, I'm like looking at I'm looking at Sarah like, it's it definitely that? fascinating okay. that that's how you can successfully operate. I mean, I I don't know that I didn't know that everybody wasn't operating like that. I don't think I don't think they are. Sarah's saying not everybody that's neurodivergent probably does that, but it is a trait for neurodivergent probably yeah, people. Probably people. Interesting. And probably people who have trauma. <laughs> 
I'm laughing. <laughs> Trauma. Anyway. All right. Well, um, anything else that you want to say in regards to like neurodivergence, ADHD, and relationships? I don't and I'm think sure so. this is probably a topic that will that will continue to touch on. And if there's anything that you feel like, uh, as far as our listeners are concerned, if there's anything that you feel like you could add to this conversation, feel free to email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, but now we're going to get into the guess the outcome. And this time we're really going to guess the outcome. Can first. I read it this time? You can read it. And this is the uh, boyfriend's girl best friend thing, right? Okay. I, I don't I don't know. I didn't read them. I just looked for the one that said completely. That's fine. But don't don't go to the update until I you I know. See. I don't read it like that. Why would you read it like that? Okay. <clears throat> so trigger warning. Uh, infidelity. Uh, mood spoiler is uh, yikes. <laughs> That's what it says is yikes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, am I the asshole for kicking my boyfriend's girl best friend out of my Halloween party because of her costume? <laughs> Here we go. All right. She posted in. Okay. She. Ba, ba, ba. Okay. So, there's a fun fact I'm going to tell everybody. The world's heaviest pumpkin weighed 2,600 pounds. Pumpkins are 90% water. I don't recall seeing that in the thing, but go on. I will go on. Hello, everyone. I'll cut to the chase. Oh, they're 19. Oh, we. <laughs> I, 19, had a Halloween party over the weekend. I invited my boyfriend, who's 21, and a bunch of our friends over, including his girl best friend. I will call her Agatha. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my evil laugh. Um, my boyfriend and I had decided to dress up as Peter Pumpkin. Wait, Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. If you haven't seen the costume, the guy wears a shirt that says Peter, Peter. And the girl dresses as a pumpkin because, well, you know. Huh. <laughs> I was pretty excited just because and I thought it was 19 funny. years old. Oh, babies. And and the boyfriend is what? 21. 21? Yeah. Okay. I was pretty excited. And just because I thought it was funny and cute in a cute costume, Agatha texted me the night before the party and asked what my costume was going to be. I explained the the costume. I explained the costume. I explained the couple's costume my boyfriend and I would be wearing. And she replied that she would probably just come as a sexy cat. Meow. Sexy cat is in quotes. I don't really get that. Why would it be in quotes? Okay, fast forward to the night of the party. Everyone is having fun, and it's a nice time. Well, it was until Agatha walked Uh, in dressed as a fucking pumpkin. What? How could Agatha do something? (laughs) She went over and hugged my boyfriend. I swear the room was, was, like, went silent. I was pissed. I asked if I could speak with her privately and we went into my bedroom. I asked why she chose that costume since she knew the details of the joint costume between my boyfriend and I. She said that she didn't see it as a big deal and it would be a better group costume. I told her I didn't think it was funny and I would prefer that she change. I offered her a witch costume that she could borrow for the night. She turned red and started to yell that I didn't get to control what she wears. I told her that she was disrespecting my relationship by insinuating that my boyfriend and, I, and her have sex. What? She thinks that her <laughs> she's insinuating by that okay. Agatha... Yeah. Okay, uh, that got, like, that went, whoop, whoop. She feels that, that Agatha, by yes, wearing that yes. costume, is insinuating that, was, that Agatha's yeah, having sex with that this That was a jump. That was a jump. Okay. Right. My bad. I was like, wait. No, wait. you're good. She kept screaming about how it was funny, and I needed to lighten up. I ended up asking her to leave. She stormed out of the house, and I returned to the party. The mood had shifted, and the night felt ruined. My boyfriend agrees that she crossed the line and is planning on cutting her off completely, but a few of our friends are saying that I'm being dramatic, and I should have let her stay. I guess I'm just wondering, am I the asshole? I have posted this on other forums, but I have seen this podcast on TikTok, and I feel like you will be, you will all be honest with me. I don't think it's this podcast, obviously. No. But here we are. I have no idea what podcast she's talking about. Right, here we are anyway. Okay, so relevant comments. Did she not understand the joke? I don't understand that. So the joke was the Peter Peter and then the pumpkin costume. So like he, oh. I'm Peter Peter and I eat Oh, pumpkins. I don't think I understood the joke. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So basically oh it's, it's a couple's costume where the guy only has to wear a shirt that says Peter Peter and then the girl dresses as a pumpkin insinuating that he performs oral okay, sex yes. on Okay, yes. Okay, I did not get the joke. And so his best friend who also happens to be a girl nicknamed Agatha. Okay. 
showed up after the day after yeah. she told her what okay, their yeah. costume was, she also came dressed as a pumpkin. So this question is asking, is it possible that Agatha didn't get the joke? For or I mean, like I didn't get it. Right. So it is possible that somebody didn't get the joke, right? Well, she says that was something I was considering, but she definitely understood the joke because she even said something like, Oh, you'll have fun after the party with that costume, winky face. While we were texting, I was thinking about having my boyfriend talk to her, but it's completely up to him. She is his friend and he can respond however he would like. I just found out that she's been texting him since the party asking why I freaked out, but now never texting me. So before we go any farther, okay, okay. first off, we need to keep in mind that these are children. All okay. right. This is a 19 year old and a 21 year old. I really don't. It's a very immature yeah. costume. It's whatever. It's right. whatever. What kind of stands out to me is that. Agatha is supposed to be this boy's best friend, okay? She never said how long that this 19-year-old has been dating this boy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's considering cutting Agatha off completely from his life because of this one incident where she shows up wearing a pumpkin costume to a party. How good of best friends are they really if he is considering cutting her off completely let me ask you a question before we go on sure i'm gonna ask you a question don't read on do you know that do you know the outcome you don't know i don't know the outcome. okay my question is this do you think that by the end of this of us reading this we're gonna find out that agatha wants to fuck her boyfriend it's possible. I think that's going to be the end. Do you think Agatha wants to fuck Yes. That, that is my prediction, is that Agatha's trying to fuck her boyfriend. And that she, they're best friends, but Agatha wants to fuck him. Well, I would think Agatha could go about it a different way. <laughs> I mean, they're babies. That's, I mean, they are babies. Um, so here's a, a couple of other questions. Hang on. Wait. Do questions you, hang comments. on. Do you, go ahead. You're fine. Do you think that Agatha's trying to fuck him? Yes or no? Don't fence it. Just say yes or no. Probably. If she knew what the costume was, probably. Yes or no? Yeah, yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I need to be Sarah, direct. Yes or no? Is Agatha trying to fuck the boyfriend? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the next question that she responded to was, has she done things like this before? And she says, this is the first time she's ever done anything like this. We always hug and chat when we see each other. This was extremely out of character. Okay. Then she's asked, do they have a sexual history? So do does her boyfriend have a sexual history with Agatha? Is it? He said that nothing sexual has ever happened between them. I do trust him because he was honestly shocked that she would pull something like that since she always treated me I want to change my answer. All right. What's your, what's, what's your answer now? Okay. I think that she at the, by the end of this thing, we're going to find out that the boyfriend has, is fucking Agatha. Oh, is already fucking her. Yeah. Okay. And that's why he's saying that he will cut contact because he is fucking her and he wants her to go away. And he's and he doesn't like, want oh, shit, I got caught. That's my prediction, Sarah. Okay. Yes. Down. All right. So uh, next one, moving forward. We are currently texting about how to move forward. He wants to go completely cut her off because of this. And I feel like that's maybe – I feel like maybe – he misrepresented the relationship with Agatha if because if they are best friends and he's going to cut her off completely, I don't think maybe they're really best friends. I think because he's nailing her. Because he's nailing her. Is that, um, is that the right word? Nailing? You can say nailing. Okay. Um, let's see. So someone asks, why didn't the boyfriend say anything? I think he was just too stunned to speak when Bullshit. she walked in. After I asked her to leave, he comforted me the rest of the night and took my side completely. He said that he is going to be cutting her out of his life. It's crazy because she has been texting him and he said she hasn't even tried to apologize. He hasn't been responding, which I think is driving her crazy. So um, do we want to like, what do you think? How do you think this is going to end? I told you I'm staying. With so it. you think they've been fucking. Yes. And that this is his kind of I need to get out of this as soon as possible. And so yes. this is how I'm going to respond. Yes. To it. Um, Absolutely. I don't want to definitively say that Agatha is you fucking the boyfriend. You have to definitively say something, though. I think Agatha wants to fuck the boyfriend and thought that might be some kind of underhanded way of maybe dropping a hint. Your opinion is that the boyfriend's an innocent bystander. I'm not necessarily... Oh, my uh, God. No, hold on. Just I'm, stop being on the fence. Let me, let me think about it for a second. Okay. Okay. Um... I think that most people, if they're anything like me, would already know 
whether or not this girl w- was interested in him They're based children. on context clues. But yes, they are children. Um, I don't think they're fucking. Okay, I so think the boyfriend's was... an innocent bystander. Yes or yes. no? Okay. Okay, so who wants to read the update? Where is it? I so here we go. It. Update in the comments. He is no longer friends with her. She tro- She showed her true colors, and they are no longer speaking. Okay, so that was that was November 17th, 2022. And then here's another update. This is an update. February 21st, 2023. Absolutely. Okay, so this is just recently. Okay. So a, over, uh, or I guess like, what, six months have passed? Something six like months. that. Okay. Well, actually not really. November to February isn't six months, but. Okay, ready? Yes. Well, I have an update. I meant to post one a few months ago, but I really needed time to process the events that occurred after the whole ordeal. Uh-oh. I'm glad I waited, though, because you all needed to hear this one. Many people pointed out that my boyfriend must be sleeping with Agatha since she went absolutely bonkers for seemingly no reason. I thought since he immediately took my side and blocked her on everything that you were wrong. Well, it was me who was wrong. Uh-oh. Here we it go. turns out that Agatha and my boyfriend have been sleeping together for months. And they were just really good at hiding it until she decided that she didn't want to be his (sighs) mistress anymore. Oh, no. Um, So this this woman needs to get some like an STD panel. A sap. I found out. Sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) I found out when I was at his house hanging out in his room. He was showering after a workout and I heard his I heard this vibrating noise. He had taken his phone and mine was right next to me, so I couldn't figure out what it was. I opened his bedside table drawer and found a second phone. A second phone? Oh, shit. I know. That's fucked. My gut told me that something wasn't right. Why would he have a second phone? It didn't take me long to guess his password. One, two, three, four. Really? (laughs) Fucking dumb. Dude. Cover your tracks. Man. And no, my I mean, fears <laughs> were confirmed. There were there was a missed call from Agatha. It, I looked through the messages and found out the truth. Not only had they been sleeping together, she released it, recently found out she was pregnant. Oh, I fuck. almost said it. I almost oh, said it. Oh, fuck. This was the reason she pulled the stunt on Halloween. She was trying to force his hand. I also saw that he was messaging other girls as well. I was completely devastated. I don't want to continue to read this because it's like a lot. There's a lot left. And like we don't really need to know anymore. It's really kind of sad, and it's making me sad. STD check. Thank you for the advice. I got an STD check after I found out about the cheating, but I will definitely schedule another one for this week. Hey, she's in therapy now, though. She's really smart. She, I don't have any doubts or fears that this person will do will excel in life. They're 19. They're smart as fuck. What do you think about the guy? Do you think he's going to excel in life? I mean, I hope that he I mean, he is privileged by being I hope he goes to therapy. So um, what? Well, so you were right. So what gave it away to you? The way, like her, like the like Agatha's, uh, like him shutting everything down. Um, uh-huh. him saying that 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 was his best friend. Everything. I mean, it was obvious. I don't know how. I don't know how. Do you think? Uh, so let's say. Do you think a guy having a girl best friend is a red flag in and of no. itself? No. But in this situation... I think when a guy has a girl best friend, the best indicator of that relationship and its health, like how healthy it is, is the way that he talks about his best friend and the way he treats his best friend. Really? Yeah. So, I mean... In- and the other way around, obviously. So it, it, I had the impression that this person didn't understand that relationship or maybe that they weren't as good of friends as she thought they were. But I guess, I mean, I was wrong. Not only has they been sleeping together, but they're pregnant. You say you hope this guy gets um, therapy mm-hmm. and it looks like the, the girl's already in therapy. What would you recommend for Agatha? Uh, I would recommend Agatha get an abortion. <laughs> yeah, you, you can say abortion. I don't know. I don't want um, to say that. I mean, I don't recommend that. That was a lie. I don't know what I recommend for uh, therapy. Therapy. A good support system. Um. So that's really going to do it for yes. episode three of uh, <laughs> Neurodetergent. If you have any... Uh, situations you want us to guess the outcome on, you can email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. Just click the link on the episode description wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I think next week we might be talking about coping mechanisms. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, that's going to be fun. Like, I might have to make a list. I don't make lists. We'll figure it out. I'll just have to remind you every day until then. All right, everyone, have a great week. We'll see you on Monday. Bye.